This episode of the Adventure Jogger Podcast brought to you by Ruben Poole, Rick Albanese, Megan Fitzgerald McGowan, Chili Billy Clem, all of our Patreon supporters, and of course you. Yes, you the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Brian, how are you? I'm doing great, Ryan. Thank you for the invitation today. I really appreciate it. Well, I wanted to talk to you because, you know, so often... In, in hundreds of episodes into this darn thing, it's always great to hear people's whys. Why do they do the things that they do? Why do they choose to run the races that they run? And there's all there's different, you know, varying degrees of of you know emotion in those whys. Sometimes it's just ah, I was bored. I had nothing to do on the weekend. And sometimes there's a deep reason why we do these things. And Brian. You recently ran Grindstone, and you dedicated that effort. And Grindstone, the name says it all. There's so many times where races you're like, I don't know if that if that name lives up to that race. But Grindstone is a brutal, hard race, and you had an incredible reason why you were running Grindstone, and it's why I wanted to have you on to talk about this, Brian. Brian, why did you decided to run Grindstone this past year? Grindstone was an amazing race, an amazing experience, very challenging. And the motivation I had to sign up initially for that race was for my son, Liam. He's four years old. He has a critical form of congenital heart disease. And it's been a year since his fourth major open heart operation and the grindstone race was a dedication to him to his recovery to complete that chapter of his recovery over the past year and it was also healing for me as his dad yeah as his number one fan and to be out there on that very challenging course reflecting back on the journey with him over the past year and also for the the previous four years of his life as well as re with recovery he's had four major open heart surgeries and every one of those surgeries is it's a very challenging time for my family and i especially for him so this race was a celebration of his recovery and we're just we're so thankful for every day the race itself was fantastic it was it was just an amazing day and to be able to come home and, and see my son after going through that whole experience. It was just a reminder for me just how special life really is. Yeah, let's let's go back a bit here. Um, because at some point, you and your wife got some news about your son. Because, you know, babies are born all the time. Parents are, you know, you're ecstatic in the hospital. Newborn baby, they take the baby away, get a little bit of sleep, and then you go see those, those. You get those great pictures in the nursery of the of the baby with all the other babies, and then reality sinks in. Usually about 24 hours. It's amazing how fast they throw you out of the hospital now. If you've had a baby, it's like, oh, you've been in here for an hour. Okay, time to go home. But you you, you bring you bring Liam home. You know, you, you sink into the routine of this is what our family's like. We've got an additional person in our family. But at some point, something was 
brought to your attention, either something that Liam was doing or whatever, you knew that at some point you were tipped off to the fact that Liam was going to be having some major health issues in his life. Take us back to that moment when you and your wife found out that Liam was not going to have an easy childhood. Yes, yes. Reflecting back on that day, life-changing in, in so many ways. It was our, our 20-week ultrasound, and we went in for a, a big checkup to, to find out the, the gender of the baby, do all the measurements, the normal kind of routine for, mm-hmm. for that time frame, for that kind of ultrasound. And about five minutes after finding out that we were having a little boy, we also have my, my daughter, Clara. She's yeah. six years old, so yeah. she's going to have her own little, little brother to play with. We were so ecstatic about that. And, and Liam, we were just so thrilled at the 20-week time frame. And then about five minutes later, the doctor came in and turned the light on and had a just very serious tone in their voice explaining that based on the ultrasound, the measurements, what they're seeing on the screen, they just kind of stopped the scan from there and then just kind of focused on the, the reality of the situation with the major cardiac defects they were seeing at that point in time. That was at 20 weeks. So for the next few months, we're going to specialists, we're going to various facilities for, for testing, for various types of measurements, different types of people who specialize in those kind of cardiac defects. And when my son Liam was born in August of 2019, we delivered, my wife had a C-section, we went over by ambulance to his children's hospital right down the street in Washington, DC. Yeah. And we had his cardiac team on standby. We're, we're rushed in, getting him hooked up to all the machines, the equipment, the ultrasounds, the echoes. Uh, oxygen his whole team is tending to him and then after about five days of just observing his cardiac situation how he's functioning circulation lungs breathing they went in for the first open heart surgery now that that was a little into the week time frame of his first week of life he is a week old and doctors are operating on his heart at a week old Going back to that 20-week checkup, you had no sort of hint or anything that this was just, you were walking in for a normal routine ultrasound. You and your wife are, oh boy, we're going to find out what color we can paint the nursery. Are we getting blue paint? Are we getting pink paint? And when that doctor came in and the lights go up and he's not like going, oh, hey, it looks like you can buy some blue paint. That had to have been, like, your heart must have just stopped at that point. And I would say everything in that moment, it was like tunnel vision from that point on. And we we knew how serious the situation, my, my wife is a pediatric nurse practitioner. She's in the medical field, mm-hmm. especially with pediatrics. And I'm looking at her reaction. I'm looking at the doctor's reaction, the, the specialist, the t- technicians, and the ultrasound, and then they're explaining everything. It's almost like a blur at that point in time. Yeah. I'm listening, they're talking. I'm not, it's not even registering how serious that was in that moment because they could only see so much. He was only 20 weeks at that yeah. point in time. And then for the following few months of going to more experts and getting a closer view as he was getting bigger, growing, developing, and seeing more of the cardiac makeup and the anatomy and so forth, it was just tunnel vision every day. Life pretty much stopped. At, at that 20-week ultrasound. It must have not felt real. There must have been like, is this a movie? This can't be happening. And and then at some point, 
you leave the doctor's office, you get in the car to go home. At what point did the reality of Liam's situation hit you and your wife? I think in our minds, we, we had talked, my wife and I, we, we've talked about it so often in that point in time, just reflecting back on how we were able to, to get through those day-to-day worries and the concerns and the what-ifs and, and everything that was involved at that point in time. And it was that support system. It was, it was family being there for us, keeping us hopeful and, and optimistic, and it helped. And I think it was just the day that he was born, and we're going, I'm in the ambulance in the front seat with the paramedics and the EMTs and we're rushing to his hospital. His cardiac team is there on standby, all the machines in his room. I think that was the moment it really set in for me on how serious this was. And then that major first operation within that time, that week time frame, the second day after he had his first surgery, we had a follow-up surgery pretty much in his hospital room. Yeah, There were some complications from the circulation and everything and then we spent five weeks in the cardiac icu pretty much living in the hospital and i would say going back the first day being brought to the hospital that is when it really really set in for, for my wife and i you knew at that point you're like listen liam is not going to have the life that our daughter has he's got some serious serious issues and it is so interesting too brian because when you think about a, a new here you have this this newborn right you have never seen this child before right you've seen pictures and ultrasounds okay they're weird like i had a doctor have to explain to me like they'll point on the ultrasound oh that's the baby's face and maybe they've gotten better since my kids have, have, have since grown up but i was like i'm gonna take your word for it because it just looks like a rorschach uh painting to me but it's interesting mm-hmm. how and especially for dads too we don't get the day-to-day reminder that something is coming. There's nothing kicking. There's no sense of presence in our own bodies. We kind of have to prepare ourselves by adjusting to our, our wife who is experiencing these, these things and so on. But it is so beautiful in the moment of that birth that all of the love that you could possibly feel for any being on the planet is all dumped into this newborn that has half of your genetic makeup that is now right before you. You had some ideas of what he'd look like, and then there he is. He is now in the world, and as a father, instantly, all of that love that you, you, you never thought you could experience that. And that's the beautiful thing about being a dad. You don't really understand what the experience of loving children is until you have them. And they're right in front of you. You can guess. You can read books. You can talk to your parents. You can ask different dads. But the reality of now being the guardian and being the protector and being... The, the the wise old sage and the wise old idiot and the combination of the two to this new being is this beautiful, magical experience. And now you've got this thing that you just love like you can't love anything else hooked up to all of these machines. And you must have felt 
powerless watching your one-day-old son, you know, having to be connected to all of these machines. Powerless is is the perfect way to 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 describe that that feeling that sensation and it was it was very it was so challenging because my son's going through this i'm here in the room with him with his medical team my daughter is with my my parents they're they're watching her Mm -hmm. my wife is in recovery at her hospital right down the street i have relatives in the waiting room i'm at both hospitals and i'm there with my son and i'm on this journey with him and we're just trying to get through every minute every hour these are our milestones stones to, to focus on right now and we're getting okay first day second day third day first week where things are are, are are going to the point where we would like them to go and then we had that surgery that was helping that next phase of of his survival and his recovery getting his circulation to to adjust with with the way that his heart is very uniquely kind of set up so as a, as a dad going through this just like you just said it's like I tried to do everything I could to stay strong. <laughs> it's hard because you have to. Everyone's expecting so you to be this rock, and and here you are. You're you're helpless. I I've, I I can't compare my experience to yours. Um, my kids are are healthy now. You know, we did have a medical scare with one of my daughters years ago, and I remember Brian. I remember when she was in surgery. Like here, here's something you had to experience just a week into his life. But I remember pacing back and forth in in the waiting room, waiting to hear how the surgery went, feeling so helpless. And it's the worst feeling in the world because you are this rock. You are this this protector, right? And you are absolutely helpless. Brian, was running a part of your life before you became a dad or is this something that kind of snuck into your life to help you maybe cope with the realities of being Liam's dad, which would require you to be a heck of a lot stronger than I could be? That's a great question. Running has always been a, a huge factor in my life. Growing up, doing the swim team, I, I really enjoyed that. I did the track team, short distance sprints in middle school, high school. It was shot put in discus. I was over 200 pounds at that time. Holy so crap. When you said you did shot put, I'm like, did you get lost? Because I'm looking at you now, you're, you're, you're definitely got the runner's physique now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, I, I wanted to, to run and sprint. And my coaches said, no, no, you're over 200 pounds. You're doing powerlifting in, in, in school. So you're going to be doing the throwing events. I wanted to run, but they had other ideas, which I still enjoyed the throwing events at that point in time. And uh, in college, it was a swim team, but I always enjoyed running. I just love being out there on the on just on the trails, the atmosphere, the endorphins, everything about that. And then going through this experience with with Liam, especially over the past few years, running has been so healing in so many ways. Because certain days, I like 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 I said, the helpless feeling, the loss of control, going out there on a trail run for an hour, it's almost like recharging that that battery. Mm-hmm. I'm able to reflect. I can gain some of that control back in a very uncontrollable situation at times. I can reflect on the. Journey, reflect on the gratitude, the, the family support system, the love that we have from so many, 
and it just re-centers my focus. Keeping away the anxiety, keeping away the depression, the PTSD, that's all there. But the running helps me just re-center re in on that things are in a better place these days. We've had modern technology, modern medicine. We have a wonderful medical team for, for Liam. His, his hospital is fantastic. His surgeons are incredible, world-class. And we're just so grateful. So to be out there on these trails and to be able to have time to go for a run, just to reflect, it's been very healing in so many ways, very therapeutic. Do you remember the first run that you were able to take after Liam was born? You're in a position where he's, he's starting to get healthy. You could you feel comfortable leaving him for a bit? This might have been maybe a few months into into that journey, even just going for a hike, a short mm -hmm. hike, a walk. Being in the hospital for five weeks, I would just walk around the unit and I would count the number of times I would walk in those hallways. I, I guess the runner in me, I'm always focused on the distance, the time, <laughs> the duration, all that kind of thing. It kept my mind occupied. So to, just to walk those hallways, it gave me something to think about and just the movement the activity, I couldn't sit still. I had I had too much nervous energy being in his waiting room, being in his hospital room when I was there. But when it was time for, for rounding sessions or a moment where they had to do certain kinds of testing, when we had to step out, I would get my, my steps in. I would get my, my yeah. walks around the unit, the cardiac unit, the HKU, heart and kidney unit. And that kind of helped me just reflect back on just having those goals as a runner. Yeah. And just reflecting back on, okay, Liam's in good hands. This is our support system. I have to take care of myself and be strong for my wife and my daughter and my family. And just that movement, the walking, the power hiking, and going for that first run or jog after a, a, a few months when we came home from the hospital, we were in, a, in a, a safe, steady place at that point in time. I could step out for, for a, a half hour, do a little trail run right outside um, our, our house and it just felt so rejuvenating to be back out there in nature, breathing that fresh air and just just realizing what we're going through is is going to keep being this way. So we have to we have to hold on and, and just stay strong to the best that we can. And I was getting that energy and that strength from my family, but also through those momentary hikes or, or little jogs on the treadmill or outside when I could. I have to ask, as a runner, so many of us, when we're out for a run, if we get back to that parking lot and it's not a rounded up to the nearest mile number, we'll do little little circles in the parking lot of the trailhead, taking those laps around the hospital, where you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm at 780 steps. I got to get these last 20 steps in, doing, doing circles so you can get to a round number. There were a few days where it, <laughs> it helps just to kind of... Like I said, have have a sense of control. If I can get some activity in, because like I said, the nervous energy, I'm, I'm not going to help by just being in that room and just pacing back and forth. I'm going to make my family nervous, make my wife nervous. In that situation, I'm very quiet. I'm so focused in on my son. And when I was able to step out for a moment when they are tending to him, or he's going for a CAT scan or an MRI or some kind of testing procedure, when I would step out into the hospital or even outside the hospital, I would try to have that goal just to have some some kind of control in, right. that, in that moment. Hang on, guys. I'll be right there. I got 20 steps to go. I'm not ending on 780 steps. We're getting to 800. I can't stop it there. I don't want that showing up in my Strava. 
<laughs> Brian, you're in a unique situation. Um, and something that I think you, it's, it's, I don't want to call it a gift in a way, but maybe it is. And, and we can work through this. But we all kind of, and when I say we all, I mean folks that are in my situation, three healthy children. Uh, we all live in this kind of blind stupidity to the reality of the fragility of life, right? Like our kids are healthy, they're always going to be healthy, and they're always going to come home. When we realize the reality of the situation is life is fleeting, There's I've heard so many stories from people that have lost loved ones like that, not expecting it at all. Every day you live with the reality that your son could pass your son's life is fragile and you are reminded of that every day and when i said it was a gift in a way it has to almost be because sometimes and i see this i slide into this expectation that tomorrow will be there and maybe i don't do the things that i should do with the kids or maybe i didn't tell them good night or i love them or or, you know, my, my kids that are off at college that I call them today and, and tell them that I love them because there's this expectation of tomorrow. For you, there is no expectation for tomorrow. So when I said gift, there is this beauty that every day you get with Liam is precious in a way that I wish all of us would view every day with our children as precious. Am I reaching for something there, Brian, or is there something to that? You're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, I feel every day when I wake up and my son wakes up a little bit, a little bit later, he'll usually sleep in until eight or nine o'clock or so. And I see him and it's, it's, it's just Liam, just my son. He's everything's, everything's good. He's, mm-hmm. he's happy. He wants to watch his cartoons. I get him a cereal and it's so easy for me to forget the magnitude of his medical situation. And when I think about that certain days, especially when I'm out for a run or I'm Mm. driving to the store and it it just hits me, it hits me like a ton of bricks some days. And it's almost debilitating. It's almost to the point where I can't even just get, get a a full breath of air. Yeah. I think about just the extent of the medical condition and future surgeries that that are there and how every day truly is a gift. I, it's easy for me to, to go about that process every day. And I, I do forget, but most days it's, it's, it's there. And, and I reflect on that and my wife and I talk about it and it's just something that we're just so grateful. We're just so appreciative to have modern technology, to have modern medicine, to have the healthcare, to have, his medical team always checking in and we're always doing our procedures and going in for the updates and and medical scans and ultrasounds and echocardiograms and everything. Whenever we go in, we get a a good update. We're so thrilled. It's like another breath of life, another Mm -hmm. breath, another day. And we're just so thankful for, for those moments because we know how big this picture is and and how intimidating it can be, how overwhelming it is at times, especially as we're preparing for one of these major procedures or major open heart operations. Every day we just reflect on that and we just think about how lucky we are to have every single day that we have, to have the love from our family, to have two beautiful children. And we, we don't, 
I don't want to say that I don't focus long term because I do. Mm-hmm. But I, for me, I, I I'm the kind of person where I, I focus on today. I focus on this hour. That's what life has taught me over the over the past few years. Today is the day. Today is a great day. And reflecting on that when I see my son, it's it's instant. And I just feel that surge of gratitude. And I'm gonna make the most of every day. I'm gonna make the most with with him and my family. And I gotta take care of myself with the health and wellness through my running for to be strong for my family in, in those in those in those rough moments. And for me it's just we're just so grateful for every day that we have and try to be optimistic we're very positive people we're very yeah very happy very very optimistic and that comes from just a lot of support and our, just having a wonderful family our relatives our family our friends the running community trail running community ultra marathon community it's it's a very great atmosphere of support as well and that's why for me like these races like the grindstone to be back out there to hear other people's stories, to, to hear the, the the preparation, the training, what they went through, what they had to overcome to get to that starting line. And they're there in that tough part of the race where they're thinking, I don't know if I can go on another mile or another another few steps. You 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 focus in on that inspiration, that motivation, that why. Mm-hmm. Every runner has a story, every person has a story and an experience. And for me, that experience for, for me and my family is just the gratitude. And to be out there on that course is to express that gratitude. It has to be a bit of gratitude, but also inspiration. Think about your son for a second. Think of four years old. Liam is four years old. The strength in that young man to be able to endure open heart surgery less than a week into existing in this world, you know, and then having to do it again and to face all these challenges that he faces. The strength in that young man has to inspire you greatly every day i see him and all i see is is a little warrior i I mean liam is is so happy all he knows is to fight Mm -hmm. to survive that is what he has done since day one even before he was born he is a fighter and i i get that inspiration from him as his dad i'm looking at him and what he's able to overcome and accomplish and going through these procedures and all these machines that are hooked up to him. I see him now and he's just like a normal boy Mm -hmm. just enjoying his day. But then I also just reflect back on those moments in the hospital, the recovery, that concern that we have going into those big appointments and so forth. And I just get the inspiration from him. Like he's, he's getting that strength. He's, he's 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 doing the best that he can and i'm going to gain that inspiration from him so i can be strong for him and also the family as well and he's only four years old and he is the strongest person i've ever witnessed i've ever met i've ever known he's my son he's only four years old because all he knows is how to fight and i i gained that inspiration from him and he's taught me so much over the past few years and continues to teach me to this very day talk about a great why though and talk about great fuel for the bad parts of a run or the bad parts of a race or the bad parts of a training run imagine being able to draw on that inspiration like to think like well if my son could handle all of this dad can handle some crap miles 60 miles into this thing right (laughs) yes yes and that's that's how the grindstone went to, to be honest because 
I did the 100K for that distance, and it's a mountain ultra. It's very challenging. For me, I'm from Southern Maryland. We don't have elevation. We don't have hills. We don't have mountains, to, to be honest. We, I have a treadmill where I can get some elevation on, on a good day, or I can go on, on, the, on a local highway, which has a little bit of elevation gain, but this is not anything to prepare for a race like Grindstone. So those five mountain peaks in that course with that tropical storm that happened at that, that weekend and just going up to elevation for, for me during that race, I had to gain inspiration elsewhere. It wasn't me. My preparation, my training, it was as good as it could be for that point in time. But I would say after the first 20 miles, 30 miles, I I, I didn't even think about what I was going through at that point in time. I'm thinking what my son went through, what his journey was like for each of those heart operations and for him to just recover, to have that resilience and that strength and, and to, to go about each day with a smile on his face that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy this, this, this journey, this difficult race and get into that finish line. It was a milestone for, for me because it was a dedication to him and to him completing that big surgery last year. And I had the picture on my phone, on my cell phone of him in the hospital. And I would just look at that. I would just turn that on for a few seconds turn the phone back off, put it back in my little hydration pack, and I would just go back up the hill. And I would just keep going one foot in front of the other. Very challenging course, but I had my son and my family supporting me every step of the way. And it helped in those dark moments. Well, I can imagine, you know, if it's not for Liam, you probably DNF. At some point you realize like these Maryland mountain legs ain't taking me, ain't taking me anywhere in grindstone. This is Virginia. This yes. is the mountains for crying out loud. <laughs> it was that I would say it was the halfway point, about 50k into it. And I'm thinking to myself, I really should have the trekking poles. I didn't have that. And this was like I think almost like into the third mountain peak at this point in time. It wasn't even the big mountain peak for that race. And I was like thinking to myself, I need to get more elevation for another race like this in the future. <laughs> right. I could get to the first the, the fitness was there for the first 50k. The last, the second half of that race was all mental. It was all, all for my, my son. You're like, yes, yeah, I'm not like this in Maryland. <laughs> I'm not, not in Maryland, <laughs> Maryland anymore. What did, did, did Liam know you were like taking on a big challenge running a, a mountain race? Yes. Yes. And and he's four years old now. So he's, he's aware. He knows what's, what's going on and I can talk to him about it. He always says daddy's going for a run and, and, and he'll, he'll, He'll be out there with me some days. He'll be watching me, or he'll be on a little hiking backpack, and and we'll go for a little power hike around a, lo- a local park or, or so forth. So he's been a big part of the journey. My wife and I will go for a walk with, with with Clara. The whole family. We're we're always outdoors, and those moments have been just wonderful this past year. Just having that time to reflect, and we we do a lot of talking and reminiscing on the journey and being out there, especially on those trails with my family. I would think about that in a race like grindstone where i'm just just thinking about that support system and uh, showing liam the pictures and explaining that you know daddy's going to be out here doing this race it's gonna be very tough but we can do hard things and that's he he understood that it was it was pretty serious <laughs> your son liam is going to have the most warped perspective of family life Ever. It's gonna it's gonna happen. It's gonna it's gonna happen someday, Brian, where Liam's gonna be in school and he's gonna get a little buddy 
and his buddy's going to want him for a sleepover, and you're going to go drop Liam off at his friend's house, and he's going to be there, and he's going to be shocked at, like, the laziness in front of him. He's going to be like, wait a minute. You had you didn't have to fight to survive? What? And then he's going to look at the parents and go, wait, you don't run in the mountains? Like, what do you people do? Like, my whole family, like, I've been fighting my whole life, and my dad does these hard things, and my mom does these hard things, and my sister does these hard things, and you guys just sit around i've never seen that before <laughs> i have heard that a few times from from family and friends about about these events so <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to show with, with liam especially as he gets older that this is this is this is our routine <laughs> this is what family life is like and then they're gonna think is his and then when they have when he brings his buddy over for the sleepover on at your house it's gonna be like wait a minute you all are very active. <laughs> this is a very tough family. <laughs> There's always something going on. <laughs> so you get through those dark times and, and, and you know, you're, you're using your son and the, and the, the example your son has set in front of you with his incredible strength to pull you through those rough miles. At some point, you knew that you were going to finish and that you were going to be able to tell Liam daddy finished that had to have been beautiful exhausting just emotionally draining that moment when you realized you could be almost nearly like maybe slightly as tough as as, as your son was and finishing grindstone what was that moment like for you I would say it was the last aid station for the course, maybe three or four miles to go. And it was getting pretty late in the evening. And I was I was pretty exhausted at that point, mentally, physically, legs were like lead pipes at that point in time. And I remember just getting to those last three miles, pretty much on like, like country roads, getting back to the finish line area. And that is when it really started to set in that I'm finishing this race. It's been a tough day. We got through it somehow, and I'm looking at my phone again, getting this last that moment of inspiration, trying to call my wife. Um, the cell service with the, in the mountains wasn't wasn't too good, but I had their voicemail, and I could hear them cheering that they hit the. I, there was one point in the race where a voicemail was able to get through. They're, they're tracking me throughout the race yeah. that day, and I was able to to listen to that voicemail, and that was that that last surge of adrenaline to get to that finish line, and that helped so much and. It was, it was just a, a, a perfect way to, to finish a very challenging event and a very challenging, very challenging year and, and previous four years as well. So to have my family be there with that voicemail to get me to those last few miles, it was tremendous support that I needed. And I can imagine the drive or the flight. I don't, I don't know if you flew from Maryland to Virginia or if you... It's not, that, it's not too far, too terribly far. You could... You know, you drove. less than three hour drive. Yeah, it's not, not, not too bad. Yeah, not bad at all. So, you, you, you know, you, you get those finish line, you get the burger, maybe you grabbed a beer, some bananas, and then, you, you know, <laughs> maybe you go get a little bit of rest before you head back. But I can, I pretty, I can guess that that three hour drive from the grindstone finish line in Virginia to where you're at in Maryland, that must have been like the most exciting drive ever to be able to, to know you were going home. So not only see your wife. We don't. We don't want your wife and daughter to feel left out here. 
Listen, Brian <laughs> loves both of you. Let's just that just goes without saying. Brian's a big fan of both of you, but <laughs> like that drive back home to see Liam after all the inspiration and all he meant to bring you through those miles, that had to have been a a. It probably took forever. Probably felt like it took forever, but that had to have been a great experience to be able to go like, okay, I'm gonna go see this kid. I'm seeing my boy. Yeah, it was an incredible experience. That drive home that night, I was just, just again, re- still reflecting on 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 the past year, the past four years, the race itself, and just getting home and getting back to my family. And they stayed up. It was it was pretty late when I got home, but they stayed up to to, to see me, and it just meant the world to 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 see them, to see the joy in their faces after all that we had been through as a family. And and this is kind of setting that 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 kind of closing that chapter i would mm-hmm. say this past year by doing this race getting to that finish line and, and doing this race for liam so to see him after that whole experience it was it was it was an emotional moment very healing and i was just so 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 proud to tell him that i was able to do that race for him and i wasn't going to stop no matter what i was going to get to that finish line and, and and he was there with me in spirit and, and my wife and daughter as well and it was nice to be done with the race. <laughs> it was nice to be home. And it was even more nice to be with my family and celebrate that that journey with them. Do you remember what Liam said to you? The first thing he said to you after you you, you came home and told him that you, you finished it and you did it? I think it was to the extent extent of, uh, Daddy, how, how long did you run? Yeah. It's something, something to, to that extent. And uh, I tried to explain it was almost 16 hours and... He was. I think it was just just amazed and probably tired too because it was pretty late in the evening. <laughs> but he was he was he was happy to have me home, and I, I was so so glad to be home and uh, to tell him about that the next day and and and, and Clara and and Pam and just a uh, I was just that runner's high after doing a race like that. that I just felt like okay, what, what could I have done differently? What could I have done to prepare better, more efficiently? But I just kept looking at them as I'm talking to them about this this experience and just looking at them as my inspiration that that is what ultimately helped me and to be able to just celebrate that with them what was just really great really great moment liam if you are ever listening to this podcast the next time your dad finishes a race and he comes home and he's like hey everybody dad just just finished a big long race and you say how how far did you run dad well i ran 62 miles took me 16 hours Liam, you need to say, 16 hours? I don't even like to ride in the car that long. <laughs> I'm race I can ride. see that. I, I can see that happen. <laughs> I, hear that, I hear that quite a bit. <laughs> and you know, too, you know, your, your, your daughter went to preschool and you, maybe your your son maybe told one of his friends or a doctor or something like, you know, my dad ran for 16 hours. And they're like, no, you mean 16 minutes. You know, they're thinking like you ran a 5K or something, thinking that, you know, so-and-so is just a huge exaggerator. Oh, look at those Boyle kids exaggerating again. Talk about their dad running 16 hours. One of the things, <laughs> one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, Brian, you know, beautiful story and to be able to finish Grindstone and, and thank you for, for sharing so much emotion. But your your wife and you, both of you, seem to 
really kind of work on making sure that Liam is not raised as a broken boy. And what I mean by that is his life is not defined by his by his by his by his condition. He is not Liam the boy with a bad heart. You seem to go really out of your way stalking you on Facebook um, to to make sure that that doesn't define Liam. How do you do that? How do you make sure that he is not Liam the boy with the bad heart? That's a good question. I, I think for for my wife and I, we see Liam as as Liam, mm-hmm. and we he knows that he has what we say a special heart. We, that's what we tell him. He yeah. understands that. So we always have him calm down when he's trying to run with his big sister and they're at the playground or he's trying to keep up with 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 friends and and so forth so we're always trying to calm him down we don't want him to overdo himself and i think just having that understanding we don't want to hold him back we want it safely and we have yeah. that that clearance from his medical team they they always tell us what to do what not to do what what to keep out keep an eye on any kind of signs and, and symptoms and so forth but but for him it's just living that that normal life playing with his big sister every day they just did their first spartan kids race about a month and a half ago and they're out there for that half mile climbing and running and jumping living life and we see liam he we, and he has the cardiac very unique setup that he has and we're very aware of that but we also want him to live life and we want to have him live life safely but also to enjoy those moments with his big sister and but we're always we're always very aware of not over over exerting him and having him do it safely and, and and everything but it's it's a balance because he is very energetic he is always always moving around always curious about different things and every day it's it's almost like an ongoing process to to get him to have him stay seated and and to and to <laughs> it's almost kind of remain calm for a little bit but it kind of adds just to our everyday adventure as a family we're always always up to something always going out on the weekends for for our, our, our hikes and and our trips to the park and playground and just just those little moments for us as a family are are so heartwarming for us and we just want him to to be able to live that and we're always aware of the situation, but we also want him to live and to enjoy life and to enjoy being with his big sister and just to make the most of it every day in a safe, safest way possible. There has to be those sweet moments, though. You talked about you know him running a Spartan race with his big sister, the kid version. There has to be moments in that when the joy of hanging out with his big sister and being able to climb up the obstacle or whatever – there has to be sweet moments in there for you and your wife where for you guys, the reality, because that's not easy. The reality you live with every day is, is I think, a testament to your strength. Um, I don't think a lot of people would have the, the mindset you have and wouldn't have the, the attitude and energy that you have. But there has to be that sweet reprieve for you when you see him doing those things and you're just like, he gets to just be for, a, for, that, for that moment all of those things all of those fights that he's had to fight all of those you know uncertainties you just say guess have to to fade into the background and he's just a kid out having fun yes every day and he like i said he is so energetic he's very outgoing he's very social 
And my daughter, Clara, she's six. So she's in first grade. She's uh, six years old. So yeah. she's a bit more on the bashful side. Liam kind of takes charge of the situation and he kind of helps bring Clara along. And they're out there and they're playing together. And like I said, those moments to, to me and my wife are everything. And we're just to see them laughing and giggling and, and running after each other and, and playing little games like that. It, it just means so much to us to have those moments and to to just reflect on how, how lucky we are. Yeah. How do you make sure that Clara doesn't get kind of put in the in the background? Because when you have a kid with with the issues that Liam has, his special heart, a lot of times families can just the sole focus is on the child with the issue and the other children sometimes feel left out. How do you make sure that Clara doesn't feel like she's the other kid? Oh, oh, we got this other kid over here. We got to focus on Liam and we have this other kid. How do you make sure that she feels just as loved and just as part of a fam- as part of the family as an important person in the family as Liam? That's a great question. And and Clara has had to deal with so much over the years. She's seen a lot of emotion in our house and in the hospital when she goes to when we bring her to the hospital to, to visit Liam after a surgery and, and procedure. Um, she's had to see a lot for for just a young girl, and we're always going out of our way to recognize this journey with her as well. And she's a part of this, and she's being a big helper. She's helping her her little brother, and she's taking care of him. So we have our VIP days with Clara. We take her out to her favorite places. So she has that that one on one time with, with with me or with Pam or both of us, where we can really celebrate her and her strength and and her being a big sister to, to Liam and always taking good care of him and, and being there for, for me and, and Pam and the family. She's tremendous. I mean, just, just seeing what she's had to overcome as well, because it has been, we've had some tough times over the years, psychologically, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Some some procedures are, are, are it's very challenging in that, in that kind of roller coaster ride of emotion yeah. in the actual process. And she's there. She, she's witnessing that at a very young age. So we really try to just have her be a part of that journey with us. I try to shield her from a lot of that emotion in that moment. And I also try to let her know that this is not having anything to do with her because I don't want her to ever think that this is that she's responsible or, or there's something that's that she's impacting it in some yeah. way or linked to it in some way. Um, and I always try to, we always try to just really include her in everything. So she's always a part of that decision process. And when we're in the hospital for, for sometimes weeks at a time, I can get home, I can visit or doing the the FaceTimes when she's with, with with my parents and we're watching her. So we're always just having her on that pedestal as well, just so she knows that she, that she's loved, she's appreciated and, uh, at her age she's just had to go through a lot and she's just an amazing little girl we're just so proud of her and she's she's got a great leadership qualities because yeah. she's got to take great care of her of her of her little brother and she's just she's been there for for me and my wife as well she's she's the reason why we're able to get through a lot of that as well in those those tough times so i think for her it's just letting her know that she's a part of this she's helping and then having those VIP days with her has really helped a lot, I would say. It's got to be hard, too, because she's six. You know, and six-year-olds yeah. know a lot. But a six-year-old grappling with the reality of 
her brother's situation and to navigate that the way she has you know she has her days all kids have their days you know they, they, <laughs> that never makes instagram no one ever posts on instagram hey my kid had a bad day it's always when they have great days or they'll they'll post temper tantrum the videos and i never understand why parents do that your kids are going to hate you when you get older and they have to have they have that video follow them around but no no one ever shows the bad days um and when they do we all go like why are you filming that but but she has to have you know, her bad days of course like she like anyone would but it just seems like she has this incredible sense of of taking care of her brother like she's she's like she's like the guardian she's like ah you you want to mess with this boy you got to get through me it's true she's very protective of him and she's always helping when we have to give him his morning and evening medications she's helping she's watching she's observing and she is kind of like just just someone who is is very just protective of of liam and she's always the first one there to to take charge when it comes to helping him or just being there to, to offer any support that you can. And at, at six years of age, it's incredible to see her do that, but she just loves her brother and she knows that she is making a difference when she when she's doing that. And it's it's amazing it, when, when I see how they interact, they're best friends, they're buddies, they're mm-hmm. always together, they love each other, they're always looking out for each other. And she goes above and beyond to, to be there to, to tend to him and and to make sure he's safe. All right, Brian, I, I got to know. You've been a dad for six years now. Six years of being a dad. Best dad moment in your first six years of fatherhood, Brian. Best dad moment. I would say after Clara was born, I would say just that first hour getting to to hold her mm-hmm. in the end of the recovery room. That to me is something I always just cherish. I, we've, we've just talked about it this week because um, my my wife and I were having our third child. She's due in December. So we're just reflecting a lot on on when Clara was born and those first few days, the first few weeks. So we're, we're kind of reminiscing on that quite a bit. So for, for me, that moment, getting to spend time with Clara, holding her for that first hour, just looking in her eyes and just, just kind of talking to her and just watching how she was behaving. Oh, that that, that that warms my heart so much. And we've had a lot of great moments since over the years, but that to me was the very foundation. And I, I just reflect on that with a smile because it was such a special moment. You have, you'll have so many of them. You're, it's funny, as as your kids get older, I mean, mine, my oldest now is 22 and my youngest is 17. And we have those, those great moments to this day. And I remember the other day, it was a couple months ago, actually, my daughter, Ava... I'm going to paraphrase what she said. She was talking, I don't know if she was talking with some friends or something. They were stressed out about whatever, what's going to happen. I mean, you know, she's living in an apartment by herself in Nashville. Well, she got a roommate. And she said, you know, I don't worry about much stuff like that. And they go, why? She goes, because I know if, if I ever need anything, my dad's got me. I can always call my dad and he'll take care of me. And she told me that. And I was like, dang. <laughs> it's like that's, that's incredible it's like imagine having no stress because you're like ah my dad's on the other line ah, he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll take he'll take care of it from there um <laughs> your life's about to get a whole lot crazier you better work in some runs because you're gonna have three yes. little ones you're you are gonna be you just thought you were out of diapers 
And now you're back into diapers. You're like, oh, we changed our last diaper. Liam, good job using the potty. And now you're you're the king of diaperville again. It begins again. And I think those the the long training sessions, lack of sleep, all of that, I think is gonna help all over again because I remember <laughs> the first first couple of weeks with, with Clara and Liam too, it was not much sleep, so we're getting as much rest as we can right now. <laughs> okay, yeah, so you're saying it's good ultra training. You're you're not gonna have a lot of you're yes. gonna have a lot of time on I your feet. So. Yes, a lot of sleepless nights. This is yeah. the perfect ultra training. That mental exhaustion, I think, is a, is a key <laughs> for the, the last half of that ultra marathon. <laughs> what about running for you? I, I I wouldn't blame you if you're like, listen, Ryan, I got a newborn that's going to be here in a month. I ain't got time to think about what I want to do moving forward. Do you have any any goals running beyond Grindstone or was Grindstone kind of the the icing on the cake and a chance to just sit and reflect on that chapter and you're waiting for when the next chapter presents itself. I'm always thinking about the, the next race and, and what to prepare for. And I think it just goes back to having that sense of control mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, so for me, JFK next week is is the next one. And that was my very first ultra marathon back in 2010. And I cannot wait to go back and run on that course. And um, I'm looking forward to that one. Your wife is like, enjoy it. Because there's going to be when you're because you better enjoy this one because you're going to be the king yes. of Diaperville <laughs> when that's I'll all said and done. While I can. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, Liam, when your dad comes home and tells you he ran 50 miles, you got to go Whoo, 50 miles. I didn't like to ride in the car that long. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be prepared to tell him that because that's that's the thing right now it's getting as much of the events out of the way i've really wanted to do over the years and and now that um after grindstone just having one more i got some fitness left uh with, with the training this year so i'd love to be able to to, to do that race and and then end the season on on that note yeah you're gonna hear that though your, your wife's gonna say listen ultra boy Go get the baby. You got a midnight feeding time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs>